Hello everyone, welcome back to the Black and Red Book Review Podcast. This is another special mini-episode. Once again, there has been a development among the endless soap opera slash reality show that is the American white nationalist and neo-Nazi scene. Uh, Previously, I had done a special mini-episode regarding the return of Friends of the Pod and uh, followers of podcast alumnus Harold Covington, Northwest Front, who released a little white book, uh, which is basically a manifesto, uh, stating the developments in their organization since Harold Covington kicked the bucket. Uh, and since the heir to the kingdom shut the whole thing down because he was tired of hanging out with a bunch of pedophiles, feds, wife beaters, and scumbags. Uh, now, uh, speaking of pedophiles, feds, wife beaters, and scumbags, as well as snitches, don't forget the snitches, they're constantly snitching on each other among the white nationalists, uh... We have for the audience here today another little treat uh, from a crew calling itself the American Futurist Movement. Uh, the reason I bring up the AFM is because they are a result of a split with another podcast alum, friend of the pod, James Mason. For those of you who do not know who James Mason is, first of all, why are you listening to this podcast? This is not... Uh, this is not a place where we like to go over the basics more than we need to. But, just I'll indulge. So, James Mason uh, was basically a failed school shooter in the 60s, a literal Nazi his entire life, and he's now a 60-something, maybe 70-something-year-old man living in a shitty, lonely apartment, uh, drinking himself to death in uh, Boulder, Colorado. It's weird how these people so often end up broke and with estranged children and drinking themselves to death, be it Harold Covington or William Pierce or James Mason. So, a while back, uh, there was a neo-Nazi terrorist organization called Atomwaffen, uh, which was very famous for uh, making posters and YouTube videos and uh, doing an occasional terrorism. One of their members uh, roomed up with several other neo-Nazis in Florida before he converted to Islam and then murdered his roommates for insulting Islam. Uh, I'm not clear on whether or not he had tried to join ISIS. I believe he might have. Uh, so, yeah, that's the kind of people that Adam Boffin was made up of. But they were big, big fans of James Mason. And so James Mason, being an uh, attention-seeking piece of shit, capitalized on their attention and adoration of him for all he was worth. Now, in addition to being big fans of obscure neo-Nazi terrorists from the 1970s, Adam Waffen were also largely uh, Satanists of the David Myatt variety. David Myatt, of course, being the founder of the Order of the Nine Angles, who, let me remind you, their U.S. arm, uh, publishing company, and so on, was specifically run by the FBI. It was not merely infiltrated by the FBI. It was run by the FBI. So if you're a neo-Nazi listening to this and you bought literature and gave your ID to uh, the Order of the Nine Angles in the United States, you definitely gave the FBI your entire information. So you might want to uh, might want to keep that in mind. Um, and if you're the FBI and you're listening to this podcast, uh, hi, FBI agents. Uh, how you doing? Uh, so anyway... Uh, James Mason uh, knew they were Satanists, and he palled around with them, but the the whole Satanism thing was a little too much for some of the white nationalists who preferred a more uh, 
uh, Christian identity-ish uh, outlook on the situation, uh, simply because some of them were true-believing Christians as well as racists. Uh, so... They were like, hey, uh, we don't want to associate with Satanists or pedophiles. Uh, James Mason is also a convicted pedophile who sexually assaulted a 13-year-old girl back in the 80s and did time for it in the 90s. Uh, he might be on the registry. I'm not sure. I haven't bothered to look uh, because I'm a hack and a fraud. So anyway, uh, various non-Satanist white nationalists disowned James Mason for the pedophilia and the Satanism, and they started this outfit called the American Futurist Movement, whose text I now have in front of me, a manifesto simply entitled The Futurist State, whose author is Timothy Turtle, which is probably a pseudonym. He might be Turtle from Entourage. I'm not quite clear about that. Uh, that's who I'm picturing in my head. Sort of a whiny, insecure, pathetic, uh, yes man. Uh... So anyway, let's just dive into the text here with that background out of the way. So uh, we go into the prologue here. Quote, This book has been years in the making. It was born from the American Futurist Move project on Iron March, as well as other influences. The goal of this book is to create a new rally point, the American Futurist Movement. We, being the white nationalists, need a true ideology to embrace. I'm gonna sit on that one for a second. We can't just carbon copy the Third Reich, nor nor can we fuse fascism with a capital F, so they know that they're, what they're talking about, with American republicanism. We've struggled with this in North America. This is because Americans aren't a specific ethnic group like Germans or Slavs. So what they're saying is the American futurist movement is trying to reinvent the fucking wheel. Uh, they don't want to carbon copy the Third Reich, so they are not, according to Timothy Turtle, they are not neo-Nazis. Uh, and they are not trying to fuse fascism with American republicanism the way, say, Nick Fuentes and the Groypers do. They are trying to do a fascism with a capital F. So they are, for discussion purposes for this podcast episode, these people are fascists. That's not me calling them that. They are calling themselves that. They are proudly applying the label of fascist to themselves. So, I don't want to hear any bullshit about how, oh, you know, Doc, you just think everyone who disagrees with you is a fascist. Like, no. These people are calling themselves fascists, and they're explaining why they want to do fascism. As we will see as we move forward through this text. Okay, here we go. Next question. Why did they pick futurism? Quote, the reason why we pick futurism instead of national socialism, Nazism, is simple. Futurism, as a fascist political and art movement, started in Italy during the early 20th century by Filippo Tommaso Marinetti. Marinetti's ideas meld well within an American landscape because Italy is a nation born of similar circumstances as the United States. Basically, they state that Italy is, they go on to state rather, that Italy is made up of various uh, regions that are loosely united around a federal government, and those various regions are distinctly different places and they don't always get along. Which, yeah, fine, that is a fair assessment of the United States, even if it's coming from fascists. Broken clocks can still tell you when it's 3 a.m. after all. Uh, so moving right along here, quote, Mussolini's neo-Romanism and desire to destroy the old system to create a new Italy would not work. These ideas are sorely needed in the corrupt U.S. of A. Uh, 
if they're sorely needed in the corrupt U.S. of A., why would they not work? Moving on. We fascists, see, they're, they're, they're fascists. We fascists must torch the festering ruins of the American Republic to create a new North American fascist nation, which is all in caps, by the way. We must push this torch to the, to the government buildings, academia, and media offices. All symbols of this system should rightfully be erased so we can create a new America in our image. Only then will our race and all the races be free from this evil Jewish system of slavery. We as white men have a duty and a responsibility to atone for the sins of our ancestors and to save the world from the revolution of the Enlightenment. So they are literally uh, fascist, of course. They are anti-Semitic, obviously. They don't think National Socialism goes far enough. And they are opposed to the Enlightenment. So if you're a conservative... An American conservative, you have, you know, you wave the Fed flag, you ramble on about the Founding Fathers and the Constitution and all that good shit. Uh, these people are opposed to that, as am I, but for different reasons. Uh, they want to go back to a pre-Enlightenment situation uh, of reinforcing social hierarchy and nobody has any rights and so on. So they're opposed to the Enlightenment and the American political project as such. So as they continue to maintain going forward. Quote, From the church to the royal families, the entire system which had reigned for over a thousand years was now in question. Some of these new beliefs were atheistic, proto-Marxist, or Republican, lowercase r. The overarching idea to brew from this era was individualism. Individualism is the belief that the individual should be held in higher regard than that of the collective society. This, of course, is completely selfish. It results in selfish, narcissistic people. These weak people create crippled societies exactly like ours today. Individualism is an artificial, fake idea that is opposed to natural law and order. Uh, I would maintain as an anarchist that individualism is, uh, is basically not real. Uh, like any social ideology, it comes and goes. Um, but there's no such thing as natural law and order. Uh, natural law just simply means uh, the things the universe has tended to do since its very beginning, uh, and there is no natural hierarchy, natural king, natural any of that. These are all things that humans have made up since they invented human societies, and we can change them whenever we need to. Uh, so you see the usual uh, hierarchy being naturalized because hierarchy's essentialness is a critical part of fascist ideology and their politics literally do not work really they really don't work at all uh but also they just they don't work if they don't essentialize hierarchy so that's critically important to what is going on so uh in typical fascist fashion they have a lot of thoughts about war as well as we see here quote what does this mean War can cleanse races and societies. It makes them stronger. This is a proper rebuttal to those revisionists who whine, no more brother wars, about white-on-white -white warfare. Uh, they say it was a mistake and a waste of white blood to be at war at all. Our race needs to be pacifistic. This is a mantra spoken endlessly by many people who claim to be pro-white. They're gravely mistaken. They have been duped by liberal pacifistic thinking. War made the European race great. It led to us conquering the world. Don't, by the way, uh, speaking as an Irish American, don't include me in your us, okay? Like, 
don't include the Irish diaspora in your white nationalist bullshit. The British, Spanish, Portuguese, and other great empires grew primarily due to warfare. War maintained eugenics as well. Warfare allowed the smartest and strongest to survive while the weak were eliminated. War eliminates, illustrates, war illustrates the true might of ideology. So, uh, do violence, do war, kill, kill, kill and die, and then we will work out the ideological concerns after the fact. You may compare this to Benito Mussolini's principles of fascism that we covered on this podcast previously. It's all the same classical fascist shit. Uh, this is interesting, too. Uh, they maintain that American identity is inherently anti-fascist, which is quite a hot take. Quote, the issue with most white Americans and Canadians is that our entire identity isn't based around racial culture and language variations like the Latinos or Poles. Uh, if, uh, I'm not even going to touch that. Instead, it's based on civic nationalism and Republican values. American identity is not organic. It isn't made by nature. Instead, it is entirely man-made, artificial, and therefore anti-fascist. Uh, okay. So first of all, um, it's pretty ironic to proclaim that national identity is not real and artificial and man-made and then explain why you want to establish a fascist ethnostate. Um, <laughs> someone did not think his ideas all the way through exactly. Um, not that this is a podcast that tries to own fascists with facts and logic. If you're a fascist, you gave up on facts and logic and reason a long fucking time ago. And this podcast is not interested in de-radicalizing you or saving you or making you wake the fuck up. We're interested in making fun of you and reading your shitty literature while explaining your shitty literature to innocent civilians. Uh, so, yeah, um, these people are not consistent. They, and they are constantly accusing each other of things that they are already doing, of course. So, here we are moving forward here. Quote, People like him, I don't know who him is, I'm going to assume it's me, just for the sake of my own amusement. People like me and the supposed workers radicals like Antifa just can't think like that. They're incapable of it. The reason is because they can't relate to the white working class because they hate them for being white. No, that's 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 not why I can't relate to you. <laughs> I can relate to the white working class. I don't really think of myself as being part of a white community. Um, white is not a part of my identity. It's just where I wound up in the racial pyramid by birth. I didn't have any choice in it. Uh, and it's not something I cling to very much. I'm not saying I'm the champion of the workers. I came from a lower middle class family who was lucky enough to not go through the absolute hell of what these people have gone through. However, I don't have to be working class to have empathy. It's called being a man. And this next part is just pure projection and I loved it so much. These leftists, uh, on the other hand, are mainly spoiled brats from rich families. You should probably look up who William Pierce was, guy. I remember a broadcast by CNN that illustrated this perfectly. It was a story on Antifa. They interviewed various prominent activists. All of them uh, were upper class who wanted to play pretend as revolutionaries. One, uh, uh, 
Despite living in a well-off family, the person they interviewed goes to homeless shelters to eat among the workers. He starts his day here and conveniently made sure CNN recorded him giving a bag of chips to an elderly homeless woman. It was irony. It was parody. It was a textbook example of what these people really are. They don't represent anything. They are stereotypical liberals with a guilt complex, wanting to pretend to be a Bolshevik or CNT fighter. It's pathetic. However, I'm not asking them to change. Quite the contrary. Uh, he wants them... Basically, he goes on and on. He wants the left to act like bourgeois spoiled brats in order to uh, allow the coming of the white man, apparently. Um, it's all just projection. Uh, we've explained the class background of white nationalists over and over and over again on this podcast. Uh, and we... I don't really feel the need to elaborate that here. You can just go listen to other episodes if you feel the need to uh, go down that class struggle road even more than I've already done. He uh, then lays out a strategic insight for his fellow white nationalists. Uh, fascists, I should say. He's, he's a fascist. I should call him a fascist moving forward through this episode, I suppose, out of respect. Let us be the ones who actually give a damn about their lives. If our only competitors in impoverished areas are rich billionaires faking it, we have no competition. He compares the uh, National Socialist Revolutionary Front to the Taliban, calls for small-cell insurgency and attacks on anti-fascists, anarchists, etc. He has the audacity to cite, quote, anti-fascist partisans of World War II as well as Michael Collins of Ireland as examples of the sort of small-cell system that he wants to build among fascists. He also gets real big into eco-fascism for a little bit. Uh, quote, the environment is extremely important to any fascist. At the American Futurist Movement, we hold it especially dear. We wish purity and health for our race. We wish the same for the natural environment and animals. I personally despise capitalism more than leftism. This is because the Soviet Union and various anarchist communes could... Well, first of all, let me pause here and say it's very nice to be called out by name by people who want me dead instead of just ignoring and downplaying anarchists as a community and as a tradition or pretending we never existed. Uh, it's, it's nice to be uh, threatened by name. That's a mark of respect. So uh, fuck you, Tim Turtle, but, you know, come. you want to find me, come find me. Uh... The uh, capitalism, blah, environment, good. Capitalism, bad. We got that. Uh, there's some inf There's a lot of infighting towards the end of this uh, essay, or this book rather, specifically with Nick Fuentes, which is really interesting. We we're in favor of white nationalist, fascist, neo-Nazi infighting on this podcast. We like to promote it as much as possible. He lays out uh, why he's not a fan of the Gripers. Quote, to quote George Lincoln Rockwell, this describes every flavor of the month e-celeb that pops up only to fade away into obscurity. People such as Mike Enoch, David Duke, Nick Fuentes, and any others that pop up from the crop. They all have a Teflon coating in the eyes of their followers. They can do no wrong. Sure, they may be hypocrites or con men, but according to their followers, it's all a conspiracy. The behavior of their virtual father figures is always excusable, whether it's homosexual allegations... 
uh, race mixing or just general phony Fuhrer behavior, it doesn't matter. It's excusable for some dumb shit reason that only makes sense to the person making excuses. Even if there are mountains of evidence proving these claims, they don't care. It's a cult. The leadership can do no wrong, and when they do, their brain-dead followers will deflect, lie, and then make excuses. Uh, <laughs> guy, um, if you see it, Tim, 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 listen to me, listen to, uh, Doc, host of the Black and Red Book Review podcast. If you sit down on what I just read and really think about it for like 10 minutes, you will understand the entire theme of this podcast going back to spring of 2020. Okay. Just think about it. Just think about what you just said. Um, and that criticism of Nick Fuentes leads to my favorite sentence, not only on this episode, but in the entire history of this podcast. Quote, Instead of pleasure and cum, a man looks for a leader to follow in the face of trauma and pain. That is a good instinct. Yeah, don't try to, don't ever try to have a healthy, fun sex with other consenting adults. Be a pedophile or a snitch or in the closet or uh, something. But don't, don't, uh, don't ever have sex with someone who wants to have sex with you because you enjoy it like, you know, most people do. Uh, because fuck, fuck, that's bad, I guess? Fun is bad. It distracts from the white racial revolution or whatever. He goes on to lay out his government plan. I'm not really going to go into that. Uh, he wants to unite Canada and America, destroy both countries, hoist the red ensign over the new fascist country, uh, which is a, a hot take. Uh, the red ensign is basically a British colonial flag. Uh, it was used in America prior to the revolution. It was used in Canada to like nine until like 1965. Um, so that's, that's an interesting choice of fascist flag, I have to say. Um, but overall, this entire essay is just, uh, 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 trying to introduce American fascists to a new aesthetic for them to ape off of. Um, a little bit of projection, a lot of infighting, a lot of lack of self-awareness, and total, total failure to understand the concept of irony. Um, but I will be keeping an eye on Tim Turtle. Uh, I will be keeping an eye on his organization. Uh, I've had to take one player off of my perpetual cork board and put another player up on the perpetual cork board. And I will be continuing to monitor white nationalists and neo-Nazis and self-proclaimed literal fascists in their spaces. So until next time, this has been Doc, host of the Black and Red Book Review podcast, and I will see you in the streets and on the darkest most disgusting corners of the internet. Bye-bye, folks.